Hey everybody, this is Michael Stiles. Welcome to another episode of The Good Brew Podcast. On today's episode, we are going to be doing another of our kind of controversial topics. This one, not as much, but it's still a fun topic and something that actually I didn't even think about for a very long time, only within the last couple of years. And it's the question of, was Jonah really swallowed by a whale? But before we get into that, let me bring in the guys sitting around the table with me. On my right, Philip Burns. Hey. How are you, Philip? Doing good this Monday evening. Doing good on Monday. Philip does the worst on What's your worst day of the week? Mondays. Oh, so I'm glad that Monday we, mornings. Okay, I get into work. I open the email and I'm like, who who emailed me over the weekend? <laughs> doesn't have boundaries, work boundaries. I'm like, idiot. Work boundaries. <laughs> so it only gets better. Yeah, by Friday, I'm I'm good to go. And for those who don't know that mysterious voice talking to him, that's the guy sitting across from me, Jordan White. How are you? What uh, doing all right? How are you, Michael? Oh man, I always wonder who's going to be the first to ask. I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. And wow. on my left. Hey, guys. Let's just... Uh, Justin Harris. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Uh, How you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Got a baby coming? I do. Got a baby coming. I do. You got about three months? Two months? Let's see. It's July now, so... July the 1st. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. Hey, we can say football starts next month, officially. No doubt. August, technically. So, yes. Football comes back in next month. Yes, it's coming. Here it comes. On today's episode, we are drinking. Actually, you know what? Well, Drinking coffee. I always like to finish that. <laughs> We're drinking. Jordan, I'm going to pass off the singing rooster coffee to you. Tell us about this coffee, man, where it came from. Tell us the story behind it. it. This coffee is from singing rooster. It is from Haiti. Direct. Directly from Haiti. Bought in Haiti. Yep. Bought in Haiti. Come on. Uh, so this is medium dark roasted. Torrefaction Moene? How, yeah. would you, how would you pronounce that? I would say Torrefaction Moyen. Yeah, that's way better. Let me try. It's like cayenne. Yeah, what Michael said. <laughs> <laughs> Torrefaction Moyen. Do you want to try pronouncing this? Torrefaction Moyen. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably the best one. Yeah, that was really good. Now it, um, came, it came ground. I will say I can definitely tell the difference between whole oh, yeah. whole bean coffee fresh to ground and beans that have been yeah. ground. Is uh, you feel like you're singing now? Singing you're rooster. Singing, you're a singing rooster. Literally, when I drank that coffee, I it tasted like popcorn. I thought, man, this is good. If I was like to drink this in the morning, I would be a singing rooster. I can see the I can see that little popcorn popcorny Swedish. Yeah, I can see that. Which I don't that think makes it's sense. Justin probably not likes. More dark roasted stuff. Yes, he does. I feel like. Sure. Which the bigger the beard, the darker the roast. You, Justin, no offense, but your flavor profiles, dark, the darker the roast, the less flavor because it burns out more of the flavors. We're not talking long. I mean, a coffee will, will roast yeah. for only like 10 minutes. That's so true. That's so true because you're really just tasting. I was at a cafe the other day. Not a, It wasn't a coffee shop. It was really focusing on food, but they had coffee. There is something. I don't even know what type it is. I feel like they almost all have the same brand. There's something about diner coffee that tastes different, but in a good way. I know, right? Yes. Ash and I were at the beach. We went to this longboat cafe, this mom and pop breakfast yep. place. The coffee was amazing. And it's probably not. Waffle it's House coffee is amazing. I feel like amazing. it's probably a lot like, 
psychologically too. Well, You've got the from food, the environment, the food, the, you know that kind of thing. I, mean, I, I literally think it's Folgers. I really do. Like it can't be. The thick, I think there's something to do with the thick mug. It was it a thick mug? It's always a thick it's mug. A traditional like. mug. Traditional. Okay. There's nothing wrong with Folgers, man. No, but I just can't make a good cup. It's the best part of weight. Yeah, maybe it's so, okay. Maybe so the diners have found the right ratio, I guess. The, I think part of it is it was it made with love. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Also, were you eating and drinking? I mean, the coffee usually comes out first. Sure. Could you smell bacon? Yes. That matters. It. It, it might have highlighted. Honestly, I think that matters. I really do think it matters. Well, you need to. Someone needs to do a PhD on the influence of bacon on your taste buds when you drink coffee. If you can smell bacon, everything is better. That's so true. <laughs> Anyways, all this talk of coffee and liquid, and we've got water being poured, has really just got me thinking about the ocean and just being swallowed by a whale. I love trying to create the best transitions that I can. So, again, guys, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the question of, was Jonah really swallowed by a whale. This is going to be more of, we're not going to really talk about the whole book of Jonah. It's very short. I highly recommend you read it. You can read it in, I think we timed it like seven and a half minutes. I think you can read it. Like it's very short, but it's a very, very good book. I, it's one of my favorite. It's actually probably my favorite book of the Bible behind Genesis. So I love, I'm Genesis, Jonah. Genesis. 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 We could talk all day on some Genesis. We'll probably bring Genesis into this discussion. But anyways, so before we start, I want to do this kind of similar to the question that we did, uh, the episode we did, episode three about creating the earth in seven days. I just want to just just ask the question and we'll go from there. So Jordan, was Jonah really swallowed by a whale? Do you want like... Yes or no? Was Jonah really swallowed by a whale? I'm going to say no. Philip, was Jonah really swallowed by a whale? I don't know. Justin was that wasn't was Jonah really swallowed by a whale? That was a cop out, Philip. That was a cop. You out. said the exact the same options. answer. For I know. Episode. I'm just mad because he stole what I was going to say. Dang it! It's okay. Um, I didn't know that was an option, by the way. <laughs> Did you not listen to episode three, Jordan? <laughs> I played by the rules. You played by the rules. Nobody plays by the rules around here. Um, yes or no? Was Jonah really swallowed by a whale? Hmm. Probably not. Okay. And I will say, in similar fashion to the last time we had a question like this, yes and no. That was my answer the last time, and you're like, I'm going to go kind of with what Phil said. Oh, you're right. I'm going to say yes and no. Okay, okay. Jordan, why would you? Why do you say no? Like when I was a kid getting like told the story in Sunday school, I was like, oh, that's what happened. Okay, cool. Okay. And then, you know, you learn about science and the science to, is nice the need to breathe hey that's a good man mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you do need to breathe yeah you know there's no oxygen in a whale i don't i don't know the do we know that i don't know the science behind whale anatomy well are there pockets of even air if in a there whale? is like it would run out sure right? sure that's true and he was there um, three three days three nights so then you also got like stomach acid yeah you know so right. in my mind it's like nah, yeah he'd die so why do you say you don't know? I say I don't know because that's another way of saying yes and no. <laughs> so so when, by that, I'm tricky. <laughs> I, I think, again, we have to ask the same question we're asking in Genesis. One is like, what's the purpose of, yeah. of the narrative? What, what, you know, yeah. Does it bear witness to, to a historical event? 
is it metaphorical? You know, is it a literary thing going on? Is, you know, is it a, is it a myth? You know, like mm-hmm. there may have been a person named Jonah, but for the purposes of the account, he could, he could be, he could be being used in a mythic way, sure. you know, to relay a certain timeless truth of the universe. Justin, why did you say probably not? Okay, so I have no issue at all with the science element. If God can create the world from nothing, he can easily use a fish to swallow up a man and keep him alive in the ocean. So I have no issue. If, if Jesus raised from the dead, God can do whatever he wants. It's a good point. <laughs> yeah, so my, my issue is not on the science thing. My issue is with the actual historical chronology of when the book was r- probably written and the purpose that the book yeah. was written for. So. Yeah. We know a little bit more about Jonah outside of just the book of Jonah. So when you start looking at that, you maybe start to say, does that have a different, is it pure history or is this something else? And I think sure. when we start looking at that, we may say, there's more going on here. Yeah. Could he have been? Yeah, sure. Like I have no issue. And at the moment, I would say it's impossible because then I'm like saying God couldn't do that. No, he could have. But th- I think there's another purpose that the book's being written than just telling a pure retelling of events. I and it's definitely not a litmus test of faith. Oh, no. If you. It's like you, you. It's not an in or out question. If oh, you believe, goodness, no. if you don't believe this, and you're out. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's all a question of what is the book of Jonah? What is it written for? The purpose of the book? We have to answer that question. Sure. I said yes and no because yes, from the perspective of in the story, Jonah gets swallowed by the whale. Sure, in the story, yes. But I would say no from a pure history level. I would say no that that actually didn't happen. But back to my yes, I would also say yes in the sense of, and this is what we're getting to in this episode, Jonah being a symbolic representation of Israel who did, and we'll get into this, who did get swallowed up by Babylon. So from that perspective, Israel, as Jonah got swallowed by the whale, so Israel got swallowed by Babylon. So yes, from that perspective. So Hopefully that's already creating some wheels turning in your head. But before we even get into that, let's talk briefly, just for a moment. Justin, I'm actually going to throw this to you about the historicity, like Jonah being a real character. We would affirm Jonah is a real person. Yeah. Okay. So Jonah is mentioned one other place in scripture in the book of Second Kings. Yeah. So he is a prophet in the northern kingdom of Israel, active during the reign of King Jeroboam. Uh, the second, which was in the 8th century B.C. So we're talking mid-700 B.C., when Jeroboam is king, and that's when Jonah is active. So at that point, we know from another source that Jonah was a historical person, and we also know the only thing we really know that's mentioned there in the text is that he supported the king's expansion of the borders of Israel. So the the Jeroboam the second's expansion. Yeah. So Jonah, a not a not good king's expansion. Right. Yeah. And it seems like yeah, it's not praiseworthy. It, scripture looks at it kind of not in good light. So Amos undoes Jonah's right. Isn't, does Amos prophesy against all the things Jonah was for? With Jeroboam. Yeah. But yeah. Right. But by not default. specifically by Jonah by name. Right. right. But Jonah supporting but, Jeroboam. Yes, exactly. Amos undoes it. Yeah. Jonah's kind of uh, on a limb with the king here by themselves. So we, we know that Jonah is supporting Jeroboam, and we know also at that time the bad guys, so to speak, for the northern kingdom was the kingdom of Assyria, which mm. Nineveh is the, became the capital of Assyria. Sure. 
after Jeroboam's reign, sure. which is interesting enough when you when we look at the text. So, to kind of sum all that up, we've we've talked a lot about the exile. That's the huge, uh, huge event in Israel's history. And remember, we've talked about how there were two of them. The second one is the one we refer to when. And the Bible refers to when they talk about the exile, but there were two. So Israel splits in two. You've got the north and the south. Israel, like we, we've already explained this, but Israel retains the name Israel. The south becomes Judah. And then Assyria takes over the northern Israel and takes them off in exile. And that happens in the year 722. Okay, yeah, 722. And they, they're done. They're obliterated. They don't return. Mm-mm. And then... Uh, the south, Judah, so the southern Israel, the same thing also happens to them later on, not too far off. 586. Think. Okay, a couple, couple years, uh, a couple hundred years later. Mm-hmm. And by Babylon, so Babylon overtakes them, but the key thing is they return. And we've talked about that in, in our episode, Act 3 with Israel, uh, but it's such a critical event. But, so the exile, that southern exile is kind of the way the Old Testament kind of divides things up is pre-exile and post-exile. So things that happened before that southern exile of, to Babylon and back and things that happened after. Jonah was a prophet in the north, so he would not have experienced the southern exile, the main exile, but he also lived prior to that event. So he, well, by default, because by the time the south got destroyed, the north was already gone. So Jonah was a northern prophet pre-exile. And he was also pre-exile of the north. I mean, that's how it kind of goes without saying. Yeah, if you if yeah. So he was active prior to 722, which makes sense because the king, king of the north, was, <laughs> was uh, king of the north, <laughs> king of the north. <laughs> he was a uh, mid 760s, 750s. So now Nineveh, you'll see how this all ties in. We're just giving you a little background. Nineveh is the capital of Assyria, mm-hmm. which is the the empire. the empire that invaded the north and took away Israel, and they never came back. That north Israel was destroyed. Assyria was the empire that did that, and Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. But Nineveh was not the capital of Assyria until after the southern exile. So you, I no, wish, no, 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 not after the southern exile, after the northern exile. Well, either way, Nineveh was not the capital when Jonah was active. Right, right. Yeah. It was not until, at, like... The king of Assyria was not in Nineveh. No, not until, like, 700. And it would have been two two decades after the north was destroyed by Assyria. Right, right. So, there's another clue we see there. You'll see how this all ties in. So, this tale, to me, and I think there's strong evidence for him, is a historical narrative parable for Israel being swallowed up by Babylon, returned from exile, and can you still love your enemies both in the midst of exile and after exile, and also can you love the people that are already in the land that you're returning back to? So is Jonah, the actual historical figure, Is did he pen this account? Like, is this his? No. I think the clues of... there There's certain words in the actual language, the original language, that did not become used or even popular at all until the southern exile. Mm, yeah. So this would have been a couple hundred years after Jonah would have been living. So it's, like when the sailors say, like, I'm I'm, uh, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the God of heaven, right? Yeah, that didn't yeah. become a phrase The until... phrase God of heaven was something picked up in the exile. It was a way for the southern, the, the people of Judah, southern kingdom, when they were in exile, to talk about Yahweh to the Babylonians right. mm. to describe him. So it was... What I think what I'm referring to is the... Let's just say like the original tale, parable. 
Sure. Was that uttered by, was Jonah using that during his ministry at all? And I would say no. The people of Israel, what we have it is the result of it over the years, the language. Like, no. I don't think Jonah would have talked about him that way. I think they used Jonah because you have a man of God, right? He's a prophet. But he prophesied for the bad kings, right? He's mm. he is God's man, ah. but he's not. Which Jonah represents Israel, and, and so, okay, I, and, I and, see. And it. Assyria is the equivalent to Babylon, okay? Because Assy- as right. Assyria was to the north, mm-hmm. Babylon has done to the south. Mm-hmm. Assyria is the enemy that obliterated our kin, mm-hmm. and now Babylon has done the same to us. Yet in this parable, Jonah is called to be a vessel that extends God's right. mercy, yes. even now, in the midst of being swallowed and spit yeah, out. Yeah, even in the yeah, it, yeah, yeah. And and the trick with, I, no, by using sense. Jonah, though, is the fact that you, they would make the connection. At first, it's like, you know, we're, we're the true people of God, right? We're the, we're the ones that were faithful. We had good kings and whatnot. We were faithful in Babylon. But by painting the image of Jonah, it's like, oh, wait. Like, oh, man, it cuts way deeper. There's a way, way. Like, do we have the ability to be Jonah? The effect of the book cuts way deeper when it's presented as a parable. Yeah. Rather than a historical account the, about one man who got swallowed by a fish. And that's why I think, just to kind of chase the parable thing really really quickly, I think that's important because when we ask the question that is a little bit provocative, yes, but it, did Jonah really get swallowed by a fish? That's a question that is equivalent to asking, did the younger brother in Jesus's parable of the prodigal really go to a foreign country and eat with swine? Well, probably not because it's a parable. Right, that's the yeah, point. The difference is that there's an, a name, or or in this one, sure, not there this is one, right there that bears witness to a historical it, figure. Exactly. Or, or when Jesus talks about the parable of Lazarus. Lazarus okay, well, in that a, case, that would be a different. Well, Lazarus is a real more, person, but right, that's probably it. more in line with the Jonah. Sure, sure. Either way, but the point is, like, we don't sit and squabble over the historicity of parables most of the time that Jesus tells. But did Jesus invent the, parables? The genre, the, of yeah, the genre of parables. Probably not. Well, there are right. more parables in the New Testament than the Old Testament. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But so could, we associate parables with the New Testament. Could the, the could the Book of Jonah be? Because uh, it's really not that long. Could it be a historical parable? I th- yeah. And if you wait, re- wait, when we say historical parable, is that what are we saying? There's a historical figure, a right. real person in history, but it's using him to tell a parable, yes. like yeah. Jesus using Lazarus we, to we, tell a parable. Yeah, that's that doesn't seem like a leap at all to no, be able it to doesn't, do that. But yeah. some people will have a problem when you question the historicity of the actual events described. But the point is... Just as Genesis 1, same well, thing. Here, well, well, it's people, a little bit different people, because we don't... I mean, it's a little bit different than Genesis 1. I think it's... Well, it's different, but but I think the challenging piece, you provoke the same reaction. You do. With but, Jonah but, and the whale nobody would nobody really gets up in arms if you would say, oh, yeah, the Good Samaritan is just... He really wasn't a historical person. It's because Jesus is telling a story. A well, parable. and people would also could argue like, well, Jesus uses Jonah as example, but so he used Jonah in the same way the people ever would have used exactly. Jonah. Just because Jesus is talking about Jonah doesn't mean like this yeah. story had to happen. He says, just as the people received a sign of Jonah, so the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth for three days. Yeah. Well, the Son Which, of Jonah. Which, if you carry the analogies over, the enemy swallowed Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So. Jonah is equivalent to Israel, and it's more of like an analogy to what is going on with Israel. It's a parable, so it's more like an analogy or metaphor that people at that time would have understood based on their situation. I want to read a couple examples here from, from the Old Testament about this idea of getting swallowed up. So this is actually the most common way that the prophets talked about what was going to happen if 
Israel was unfaithful. So here's Jeremiah 51. It says, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has devoured us. He has thrown us into confusion. He has made us an empty jar. Like a great sea monster, he has swallowed us up and filled his stomach with our delicacies and then has vomited us out. I've never heard that. Well, I've read the verse for him, and, and but yeah. I wanna, In context with Jonah, like, like, yeah, I can here, see the Here's another there. one. Hosea 8. Israel is swallowed up. Now, and, and this is in the context of Babylon, now she is among the nations like a worthless thing. Now, were Hosea and Jeremiah after Jonah or before Jonah? Jeremiah was a prophet in the exile, and Hosea was a... Pre-exile. Pre-exile. So they're re- reflecting backwards on Jonah, right? No, because well, we're arguing that Jonah was written after the exile. The historical exile. Jonah, the actual, the prophet that did exist and did... Yeah. He was pre-Northern exile. So seven, mid-seven. The book of Jonah was not written until post-exile. The book of Jonah wasn't, but there was a figure in Israel's past named Jonah, who was a prophet who lived in the mid-700s BC. Jeremiah would have been active during the exile. He was in the exile. Of of the southern kingdom in the 500s BC. Right. So I think what I'm trying to say is, are Hosea and Jeremiah borrowing no, the imagery Jonah was from written Jonah? after them. Oh, but so naughty, the stories weren't circulating? No, but the whoever wrote Jonah really understood the imagery of Israel being swallowed up. Yeah, if anything, they the were borrowing from Jonah Jeremiah is looking at Jeremiah. Hosea. Okay, okay. Yes, yes. And seeing Well, I bring that up only because if the if the chronology's off, then you could make an argument right. that like Jonah actually was historical. Like the whole thing ha- right. really happened. And they're using the, what actually happened in their own way. But what I'm hearing is the actual opposite is true. Yeah, and and, and and okay, let's 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 put this in let's put this in perspective. Could the events described have actually happened? Sure. But the point of the book, especially when we can really gauge that it was pinned, and at least circulated and pinned later, the point of the book isn't just to retell historical facts. The point of the book is to deal with the question of who God is and right. how he relates to those outside of Israel yes. and his desire for mercy. Right. And, 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 and what okay it looks like to be repeat, faithful Israel. And what it right. looks like, yeah, and, and the idea that, are you okay, exactly what Michael just yeah. said, are you okay when big bad Babylon might repent? And you have to, yeah. What's the last line of the book? Should I not be concerned about that great city? Yeah, exactly. That's so how it ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially in light of think about in the story of Jonah, with Nineveh being known and Assyria, the empire being known just for their terrible wickedness and like how cruel they were to people they captured. It's like, comical how quick they change. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah, that, and that's probably for effect. Oh sure, and yeah. how big the city. Think is. about this: the people of Nineveh, boom, they repent. The king hears about it, boom, he repent. The cows, they hear about it, boom, they repent. The sailors and the pagans are the ones that are in tune with Yahweh and and actually offering prayer and praise to Him. And it's the pro- the man of God is the one that's like first it's, who won't even call on God throughout half the book. Yeah. Until he's in a situation where he needs to, and then afterward he's like, I don't want to see them come. Like I don't want to see them repent. But the point would being his the reason that would have provoked strong reaction from the imagine again the way I like to think of it is whoever is hearing this book for the first time maybe sitting around a campfire or something and this story is being told the idea of Nineveh is going to provoke strong reactions because that's still alive in their historical just like the people would have been yeah, restored yeah, yeah. about Pharaoh like yeah, right yeah pre exile just pre-ex- like in our own country like okay think about in two days we celebrate the Fourth of July or three days whatever yeah back a hundred hundred fifty years ago. 
when that though the events of in, the independence were still alive and like the consciousness of those people, Britain would have been yeah like yeah you, yeah. Right now, you know, Mention we think of Britain's Britain name. Being, oh, they're our friends. Yeah, there. Right. But back then, you know, you can think about oh, that provoked strong reactions. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the same way, I think for those people sitting around the campfire hearing the story of Jonah for the first time, they are getting mad because you hear about Nineveh. And it's like okay, we yep. know what they did to yeah they're 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 north they were still our kin they were our they were our brothers and look what happened to them and then all of a sudden the story's about it's so backwards because it's who's the villain of the story Jonah who are the people that are responding in faith to Yahweh the pagans and now it's like okay wait what are, what situation are we in? Which actually oh, Babylon? Oh crap! You know, it was it's a like, real thing because when they returned from Babylon, there were people, the Samaritans in the land that were like, mm-hmm. what he talks about in Ezra, they were like, "Hey, teach us how to worship Yahweh," because we're we we heard about your God and we want to. Yeah. But to them, it's like you're not Israel, though you're not the true people of yeah, God. You're not worthy of the grace of God because you're not a part of Israel. Which bleeds into bleeds into Jesus's day. You know, Jesus was from the north, right? He's got the bloodline of the south, but he's from the... This is Lord of the Rings stuff right here. So, like Aragon, from the north, but he's the line of the south. So, like, even... So, this actually repaints how we see the Jews of Jesus' day seeing Jesus because they see him as a guy from the north. Why? Well, Messiah's not supposed to come out of Galilee, right, or yeah, whatever? because yeah. he's from the north. Right. But he's from the line of David right. from the south. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So he actually reunites, Jesus reunites the 12 tribes. Right? Yeah, he reunites the north and the south. Mm-hmm. And it, all of Israel. Just and, like Aragorn. Yeah. Just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and another thing, this is actually a cool structural note. So there's 12 minor prophets. How many major prophets are there? Three? Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. Ezekiel. Isaiah, oh, you're saying Isaiah, four, five. Four. There's five, right? Five majors. I don't know. Is Daniel I think that's it. Well, yeah. there's 12 minor ones, so whatever yeah. the math is. Yeah, because I think Daniel might be included in the minors. Yeah, I think so. So you have, um, there's a division. There's five, and then there's seven. The first five of the 12 minor prophets are not chronological in the way they happen. The last seven are chronological. Okay, but we're concerned about the first five. Jonah is the fifth of that five. So scholars have wondered, why are these last seven chronological, but the first five aren't? So... The way that has been drawn up that we kind of see is that the last seven, they're the post, they're post-exilic prophets. The first five, they're not all. It's a mixture. So it's, I think the order is, I think it's Hosea. It's something like Hosea, Joel, Amos, Amos and Obadiah, Obadiah, and then Jonah. And then Jonah. So actually what you see in those first five, the last seven are all are post-exilic. Those first five, there's a mixture. So Hosea and Amos are pre-exile. So books... Of that 12 sequence, books one and three are pre-exile prophets. Books two and four, Joel and Obadiah, they're post-exile prophets. So you have two pre's, two posts. And actually, it's almost like Amos is a neg- is a positive response to Hosea. Obadiah is a negative response to Joel. They alternate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Jonah, they see, is a blend pre and post. Mm, so it's like a literary structure blend. You have this guy who transitions. He's a pre and post, a representative of what came before and what's coming after. But I think it's just another clue that was put together for the book. So that's but, not necessarily what the authors were trying to. No, do. no, that exactly. But there's just so many references to Israel 
being prophesied that they will be swallowed up by Babylon. And actually, there's other references where Babylon is compared to the great sea monster. So you just see this all throughout the Old Testament. I do want to make mention of this, actually. You also have the perspective of Jonah being in the whale. It's also, it's, it's kind of a double meaning there. It's also the idea that the Israelites, even in Babylon, they were protected. So seeing the whale as God's grace... So Jonah's in the water. He's being swallowed up by the water. So you do have that that imagery. That's that's more along the lines of Babylon. But the fact that, I mean, it talks about in Jeremiah where he says, hey, now that we're in Babylon, listen to what God says. He says, build a house, plant a garden, be my people in Babylon, and like live your life. Hmm. Now, the key thing there is like, that wasn't supposed to happen. When other nations got exiled, like even the North, when their temple was destroyed and their gods were destroyed, they were destroyed as a people because they had no hope. Their gods were defeated. But this one, they know that God can't be defeated. They're only in exile because of their disobedience. So to them, living in exile was just as improbable as living in the belly of a fish. Well, what I'm hearing in that is like very existentially for the people of Israel, it's like we cannot be faithful Yahweh in exile. It's like hard to. It's like, is that what I'm hearing? Well, it's you can't survive as a people. Like your language is going to get destroyed. I mean, we see that in the book of Daniel. Right. They want to reorient. They lose their identity. Exactly. In Babylon. Exactly. Them as a people will be destroyed, but it doesn't because God uses that. And that's a separate conversation about the exile, but it's not. And so from the same perspective, like you should not, like Jordan was talking about earlier, even scientifically, they're not idiots. They would have known you cannot survive in the belly of a whale. You cannot survive as a culture in the midst of another culture that completely just conquered you. But they do. And so does Jonah. So does Jonah. Right. Yeah, right so you're seeing right. the whale also as God's grace. What did you say the water represents? The water has a lot of imagery there with the Exodus. So like the well, way that the that's way that Jonah's prayer is is oriented actually repaints Israel because Jonah's the one where the water's crashing around him, right? Mm. It's almost like if you're looking at the scene, but this time the Israelites are the ones that are being drowned by the water and God's enemies are passing through, right? Because the Gentiles are above his head, they're safe on top of the water. So or like the people back in the south that got imported into their land, they're Gentiles, but they're learning to worship God. Even looking at the sea is like you said, the Exodus, but also the idea of is the chaos. And mm, yeah. Babylon is, yeah. the, is the chaos. I of, got confused by what you were saying because I thought I was remembering. Water equals chaos, and then yeah, I mean, it, and what I mean, so he's, the whale the, swallows him in the midst of chaos. Exactly, I was gonna say in you could look at the whale as a, especially in light of the sea, if you want to look at it as representing chaos and destruction. You could almost say this: the water swirling over his head is more like the, Babylon, the, more Babylon, yeah. and the whale. You know, the whale is I'm gonna, it's gonna be uh, perhaps disgusting and really smelly, but I'm going to send a a vehicle to rescue you and preserve you through the chaos yep. of the water, and it's going to be a fish. Okay, got it. Yeah, I think I just misunderstood. So so the question is, what does Jonah mean for us 21st century? Exactly. Followers of Jesus. Even though this, this conversation is not, not about the book of Jonah as a whole, but I think you can't answer that question without... Uh, just a little analysis of how the book ends and how that ties in with Jesus. Yeah, so I mean, Jonah comes in in chapter 3, and he ends up finally doing what he was told to do. He goes and pronounces imminent doom for the city of Nineveh, and you realize really quickly that he wasn't scared. You know, when I grew up, it was always, oh, he's scared of Nineveh because they're so cruel and he doesn't want to go there. No, what is he actually running from? The fact that he knows God's a God of mercy. And if he goes Mm -hmm. and even says, 
even gives them a chance 40 days and they're going to repent. And that's exactly what happens. They repent. And then Jonah gets mad because he's like, I knew you would do this, God. You, and basically they don't deserve it. Why did you give them, you know, a second chance? And it's just so blind by the fact that Jonah, you were given a second chance just a few, you know, a few chapters ago. Like just and for us, we do the same. Exactly. When well, we, well, but Jonah, it's almost as if Jonah is like, we're, we're your chosen people. Of course you give us exactly. a second chance. Yeah. Why yeah. would you give people that aren't in your, your people a second chance or I, a chance at all? And can you forgive? Yeah. 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 I think that's the, the key takeaway is when we look at other people and say, we're more deserving of God's grace than them because of whatever reason, we are falling into the trap that Jonah is in. Yes. And that's where we have to be, uh, I think, cognizant of our own, whether it be prejudices or our own blind sight, our own blind spots to our ourself, our pride, where we are no better than anyone, yeah. and we're no more deserving than anybody of God's grace. We know that intellectually, but sometimes we live as yeah. if, hey, no, we are more deserving. Jonah, the book of Jonah is pretty much just a big old fat mirror to the yeah. reader. To, to, as I read the book of Jonah, it's a, it's, I've heard it said, I think Tim Mackey talks about this, the moment that you say... What an idiot, Jonah. The book's done its magic on you. Yeah, it's like you've you've taken the bait. <laughs> yeah. Like you are now... Yeah. now what kind bait. of... Uh, what should we draw from the fact that Jesus draws on Jonah? Well, I would say he identifies... Is the same? Is it... He identifies himself with Jonah, because Jonah represents Israel, so Jesus... Let's try and create this thread. Jonah represents Israel, so Jesus obviously identifies with Jonah. So I've always heard it said, don't be like Jonah, but... If Jesus is identifying himself with Jonah, even though he he lives out what Jonah doesn't, like there's got there's a identifying with the ideal Jonah. Yeah, I mean, I think if if you look at Jesus identifying with Jonah, part of it is too like Jonah was a prophet that was told to call out against the doom that this city was about to go headlong in t- towards, and like God's Which Jerusalem was going to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This generation, you are you are provoking the wrath of God, and I'm here as Jonah showed up in Nineveh to call you to repentance. The right, kingdom is right, at hand. Right. And if you don't stop, what's going to happen? Oh, guess who the new Babylon is? Rome. Yeah, yeah. Same thing happens. Okay. Rome shows up as the new Babylon and destroys, absolutely obliterates Jerusalem. The temple gets torn down. <laughs> Poor temple. I mean, but it's the same thing. It's the same thing that happened in 586. Yeah. The yeah. temple was destroyed by Babylon. Guess what? It's about to get destroyed again. The second temple period comes to an end in 70 when Rome comes in and does exactly what Jesus said would happen if you don't repent. Right. So, okay. So I'm just trying to, there are actually two things going on in Jesus using Jonah, right? So it's, we don't want to cut people off and think they're like not mm-hmm. deserving or uh, think they are deserving. Right. That's not what Jesus, is that what Jesus is saying? He's like, don't be the people that are cutting people off. You should repent from that. Or is he saying... That's what the book, I think, is saying. I think the book of Jonah is painting the message of right. God is a God of mercy right. and, yeah. and to all people. And God is the God of all people. I mean, the God of heaven, the creator of... Right. That's what he says in, in chapter 2, the God of the creator, heaven and the creator of the land and the sea. So the idea of Jesus using Jonah is, I think, more in line with what Jonah was doing, his function in the story. Okay. He's the prophet. Yeah, it's more called, like purpose. Yeah. Parallel purpose. Now, granted, this, the idea of the, j- just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish, right. yeah. Jesus will be in the belly of the earth kind of idea. Yeah, yeah. That That's a little bit more nuanced. Okay. But I do think it's not so much Jesus is saying, be like Jonah or don't be like Jonah. Okay. It's more like, what is Jesus doing as Jonah did to Nineveh, right, so right. I'm doing to right. you. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
So I think a question for us is specifically from the angle more along our question of Jonah being swallowed by the whale, being swallowed by Babylon. It's like, what areas of your life do you feel just overwhelmed by chaos and that like, there's nowhere for you to go, but down. If you notice Jonah's constantly going down, it's going down to Nineveh, down to the, or down to Tarshish, down to the ship, down to the, the water, the grave, whatever. I think that could be an application of like, knowing that God is a God who has already rescued you, kind of like how Jonah's praying this prayer from the perspective of he's already been rescued, which is interesting, but also like knowing that God is with you and that God has gone, Jesus has gone before you. I think what Jonah finds in the story is that he's been fleeing from God. I mean, as far away as he possibly can go, every decision he makes is taking him in the opposite direction um, to the point to where he's trying to, I mean, he literally runs to death's doorstep, as we see in chapter 2, to the point where he's willing to to jump into an ocean to escape mm. Yahweh. And then he realizes what a fool he's been. And the moment where he's about to die, he calls out in utter desperation. And that's, I mean, that's what he says in, this, in the poem in chapter 2. It's like, you know, he, he looks up. For the first time in the book, he looks up and he realizes he's at the bottom of the barrel. Literally, he's at the bottom of the ocean. And uh, he looks up and he cries out for help. And what we find is even though he's been defiant and stupid and whatnot, God's not... The tree comes... Yeah, God God reaches down in, in his m- most desperate moment and he rescues him. So for the person who is at that moment, like you're never too far gone. God is a God of in- patience, but also just incredible mercy for the person who thinks you've run too far. I mean, Tarshish was literally the edge of the world, the, the known world in that time, and that's where Jonah is fleeing to. Yeah. So it's like... Which but, Isaiah says, the word of God is unknown in Tarshish. So right. Like he's trying to go to a place where God theoretically isn't. Yeah. It's think the, of like how like the inner world of Jonah to want to do that. Like yeah. think, imagine like... When you are so full of, I mean, really hatred for a... for a, Well, a, I would say though, like... The, but Jonah being Israel, though. Well, yeah, but in the, in the story, but, of but like, even detaching a little bit from just like human, like I'm thinking about just the human experience, like yeah. how how chaotic mm-hmm. and disorienting can someone's inner world be? You know that you yeah. l- literally are. You would never make a rational decision to I'm going to run run to Tarshish. No. You know, no, like, no, and look, it's like, and if you just think about like even for the the campfire scene, right? So you're the Jew, you're sitting around the campfire, you're hearing the story for the first time. You mean to tell me that Jonah gets out on the sea? Not only is it chaotic out there, we know that, that's what it symbolizes, mm. but we're not a seafaring people. We, we're, we we like to keep our feet on the dry ground. They hate the water. They're not good at it. I mean, they're not, a, they're not the Philistines. They're not the Greeks, right? So mm. for him to be willing to jump on a boat with a bunch of pagans... Knowing that God is the God of the Knowing sea. that God is the maker of the sea. He yeah. is like totally desperate. And he's like, I'm doing. He's he's defiant. I mean, to the point to where it's Golly. like, I'm going to do whatever I can to get away from what God is calling me to, because I do not want to go to Nineveh. Because I know what that means. I know what that means about who God is and what He's trying to do. Find somebody else, God. It's not going to be me. So is this kind of in line with historical Jonah, like his life? We don't. I'm just thinking, like, we don't know. That would suck if we don't, don't know. know we All we know again podcast, about him <clears throat> is that it's kind of funny. Again, the satire here. We know he was active in the reign of Jeroboam in the middle of the 700s. We know he was for the expansion. So in some, we know he's a patriot. He's he's like pro-Israel. And we know his, what his name means. We know his name is... Uh, Jonah, son of Amittai. Right, which is... Uh, Dove, Dove, son, son of... 
faithfulness or son of truth. Like this idea, it's so, so ironic. So he's like innocent, peaceful man, <laughs> son of faithfulness. Right. But, he, but he supported the initiatives of the yeah, really like, bad initiative. But it's like, no, you're not. You're, you're the opposite of faithfulness. And right, and of, it, you get the idea in the book, especially when he's like, I am Jonah. I worship the God. I worship of, the God. It's like, Jonah, no, don't stop lying. You don't. I was just thinking like... But then we look at ourselves and like, oh crap. Yeah, it's like, I say it too and I don't sometimes. I was just thinking like, that would suck if this dude got like a bad rap so now that's during how, his lifetime that's sure. how everybody like sure thinks of him now probably not that. then he, that's probably even more evidence that he wasn't alive when yeah. the, these tales oh, were yeah, being but, and people know, even my bible right. year says jonah wrote it but it's like there's i think most scholars believe like jonah did not write this book that's another question I can't remember. it's like well except it, the scholars that put the that sure, study sure, bible sure, together yeah sure <laughs> but it's like it's the only prophetic book that's told a story about a prophet not what the prophet says. Sure. It's, it's thus saith the Lord, whatever. But it starts I that mean, way. It says the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. But in all other books, or they, they enter what the prophet okay, says, but okay. this one's about Jonah. That's so interesting. Um, it is unique. It's Why would you write about yourself in that light? You know what I mean? It doesn't, Jonah doesn't end as a good guy. He ends the story. No, he gets mad because of the plant. You know how it's so funny. This yeah. like, he gets upset because of God like gives him a plant because it keeps him from getting a sunburn. <laughs> and then it's like, then God sends a worm and, and like the plant in a wind from in the plant dies. And Jonah like just gets super mad at God. He's like, I just want to die. You've taken away my plant. Like Jonah is not paying. Not good headspace. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, you head and heart space, not good. So to answer your question, Jordan, I don't think that any of this happened to Jonah. I don't think oh, that yeah. he was I a guy that ran like, away. This is, this is how he's being reflected on now. It's like that would that would suck. Yeah, but the only scriptural reference we have of Jonah is he not a good dude. So like, and we really don't know. Well, that's why I was wondering if this sort of paralleled with like what he was like actually like. Yeah, that's speculation. But I mean, it seems like it might be. It's possible. I mean, we know he was at he, he. No doubt about it. I can say this. I think with high confidence, the historical Jonah probably hated the Assyrian Empire. It was probably coward. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know about that, but I know. He, well, my thought there is of like he's going to do with the king. Well, he but he wants the king to go to war to expand. Oh, who, good point. So he's like, go. Yeah, that's so our. He land. thinks it's God's word, but because it's against the. Yeah, the, we know that the historical Jonah was a patriot, therefore he probably did not like Nineveh. Well, Nineveh wasn't the capital at the time, but he did not like Assyria. And only 30 years later, it's when they come in and they destroy him. So, And so imagine being told to like the people that just destroyed your country and like have, you're only like a little bit left, like you're starting back at zero. And sure, yeah. God's like, hey, should I not be concerned about Babylon? Yeah, it's hard for us to think this way, but like um, let's, if we could bring it to maybe a more modern example, like with nations... It would be like, imagine it's a counterfactual history here, but let's say we were we lost World War II. Okay. Let's say the Germans won. And we are now Or the Axis. Yeah, the Axis. Yeah. There's a show about that. Oh, there is, right. Yeah. Man, the high castle. Man, the high castle. I've never yeah. seen that. But let's say to. that let's say that happened. And now we're sitting here 30, 40 years later and we're, we're the people of God or like we're the United we're, States. We're, yeah, we we are descendants of these Americans who but no longer we're no longer America. We're like Germany you know, whatever, overseas, whatever they call it. Yeah. And then we're told, hey, you need to go and, like, basically extend God's mercy to the Germans because Mm. they're people too. It's like, but we hate them because they did this to our parents and our grandparents, and they still oppress us and whatnot. And, like, we're looked at as... I mean, it's the same kind of deal. Yeah. But it's like God's the God of all people, not just Israel. Although Israel's special in their purpose, 
I think it's what's maybe being challenged in their mind. It's like, okay, what again, going back to our story series of... The, yeah, what's the vocation what's of, the vocation of Israel, Israel? Yeah, to extend God's blessing to the ends of the earth, yep. mm. including the pagan nations. Including Nineveh. Oh, wow, yeah. Oh, gosh, I forgot about... Yeah, That I guess that's on the planet, it's like it too. Sa- <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, think about it. It sounds good, like the idea that, oh, yeah, be a blessing to all people... And you know, extend God's mercy until you start looking I at the like. people. Well, you look them in the eyes, yeah, and they're like, they like, massacred your family or like, like plundered they, your exactly. ancestors. Oh, you know, dude, inheritance. If, you, if and, you read what like the Assyrian Empire was known for, yeah, you begin to you. I, you can understand. It's easy to say the emotional. They, they all deserve to die. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's Which it's is, easy. To, it's easy to get to that point. Yeah. What's cool about the end of Jonah two is it's this poem at the very end. It's it seems very out of place where. He's talking about what's going on. I remembered you, Lord, from the depths. I remember. And he says, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. It seems random, but it's actually not. It's actually talking about the North, who just as they got swallowed up as well, they clung to worthless idols. So they forfeited their grace. They forfeited faithfulness. And he says, but I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. And that's the exact same thing going on above him in this poem, the the... Gentiles are sacrificing to God and making vows. So he's like saying here, even though he goes back on it once he gets out, it's like kind of this realization of like just for like the Israelites and they come back like, hey, we're all in this together. We're all the faithful people of God, Gentile and Jew alike. So I think what we've arrived at is was Jonah really swallowed by a whale? Yes and no. No in the sense of this is a parable. This is uh, not a true story about a man getting swallowed by the whale because I think uh, we would if if we went along that track we'd kind of be missing the point of the book. I mean, it's a true story. Exactly, yeah, it's not true. It's, and, and there are a lot of ways something can be true. Right? Exactly. So. It's yes from the perspective of it is the story of Israel being swallowed up by Babylon and vomited back out into their land and can they cope with the way kind of the world works now and can they cope with God's grace in the same the, way like the story of the prodigal is a true story about a father extending open arms to a son who yes. is far away and there bears witness to reality that there is but some, not in a in the in, in a, exactly a deeper way in a deeper way exactly looking guys thank you so much for listening we are the good brew if you guys want to know more go on we got blog posts on the goodbrewpodcast.com uh, if you want to know about coffee this is going to be a couple months down the road for you guys, but as of recording this, we have actually launched our coffee section of the website, so you can go online, check out that, look at some coffee essentials, look at some pour-over tips and whatnot, and we'll continue to be expanding that as we continue to be around. And send us your recipes, and we can try them out on the podcast. Okay, so like people that make coffee, like, are you talking about like... Yeah, if you think that you make a good cup of coffee, then send us the recipe, and we can try it does out. Does that just mean like ratios? Or like, dunk yeah, like bucks. that, or like <laughs> that's coming. Probably <laughs> start owns. Probably Darn not own. that one, but I mean, yeah, like so ratios and timings and yeah, that's a good call. Send us some recipes. That Jordan, where have you been with that idea this all this time? I feel like I told you that, <laughs> <laughs> but now it's public. Send them in. We're ready yeah. for them. We're ready to rock and roll with them. 
Follow us on social media at Good Brew Podcast. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Tell your friends about us. Yeah, and if you have any questions, ask questions. If you have any questions, ask them. We have our Roasting Grind episodes. We have those episodes specifically set aside to address your questions, and we will get to those um, as you send them in. So please send them in. We love, we don't necessarily have the answers, but we love discussing. And uh, you could uh, submit your questions online uh, through our website if you want to go to our email you can send it to info at the com. also send us messages on twitter instagram facebook really anywhere yeah that, if you know us personally and you have our cell phone numbers. yeah you can text us um jordan's number is i don't pick up numbers that I don't know, so. <laughs> jordan does I don't not either. pick up numbers he doesn't i, I don't either yeah. but uh yeah so you can do all that but and, and last thing we say this every episode but it really means a lot to us we've been really humbled and honored by reading them if you guys want go on to your podcast platform of choice leave us a review again they've been just so humbling to read and, and we appreciate all you guys and we thank you guys for listening without further ado justin spit us out all right until next time goodbye from the good dudes at the good brew.